Welcome to Clean Air for All by YooHoo. It's a podcast from YooHoo about creating a healthy home and life with good indoor air quality. Each month, we will speak with experts and share helpful information and insights about anything and everything that concerns the air we breathe and how we can protect the health and safety of our homes and families while we stay indoors. From understanding indoor pollutants, the benefits of ventilation, the importance of continuous air quality monitoring to new technologies and more. Great to have you all back here at our YooHoo podcast with our guest, Gwen Lin. And Gwen, last podcast, we focused on the big picture, environmental health out there. Can you just summarize very briefly the, the different aspects of the big picture environmental health? And then we go straight into your home. Absolutely. Hi, and thanks for having me again. One thing about environmental health is basically how to stay healthy or how to stay safe within your environment. And your environment can be anything. It could be your office environment. It could be your home environment. It could be your automobile. Automobile safety is a huge industry. Airplane safety, uh, academic or school safety, a hospital, hospital safety. So your environment is just your surroundings where you are. And, you know, we want to stay as healthy and as safe as we can. So we try and look into air quality, indoor air quality, or even outdoor air quality, because your outdoor air is coming inside, being pushed inside. So you want to look at both aspects. You want to look at water quality. You want to look at building or health and safety when it comes to, you know, the building materials that you're using. Are, is asbestos in the building? Is lead in the building? Uh, is radon underneath the building? And you also, with, with respect to environmental health, you want to look at occupational, you know, where you work, because that's the only thing that humans do. We work and we go home to rest. We come back and work. So you want to look at both aspects, whether it be the home or your work or the recreational. Recreational health and safety is also very big. The way I like to say, if you go to the beach or if you go to an amusement park, you better bet your boots. There's somebody who's counting the amount of people in that movie theater, the amount of people on the beach, the amount of people at that event to try and make sure that from a public health and safety standpoint, everybody stays as safe as, as, safe as they can. So when it comes to environmental health, that is in general what, what it is that we are looking at, how to stay healthy and safe within your environment, whatever that environment is. All right, great. And obviously the home environment is the place that we spend most time at. And particularly during the pandemic, uh, we spent even more time than before. So it's ever more critical that we get that one right. I mean, most people will assume, oh, I live in a nice rural place without too much cars around. I mean, representing a part of our listeners. Is that already a guarantee that your home is safe as well from an environmental health perspective? I would say not. Unfortunately, in general, many people within our public sector do think that that's where they are safe. That's where, you know, the safest place is within their home. And just because the way, at least here in America, the way things are set up, there's not many regulations that can go into the home when it comes from a governmental standpoint. This is your home. This is your castle. You know, from a reasonable perspective, you do whatever it is that you want in your home. However, there are certain regulations. For instance, if you have a rental, a condo rental or an apartment, I know in most states that I've lived in, 
you uh, normally have to have a smoke detector or a carbon monoxide detector. And again, uh, with respect to the home up in New Jersey, one big portion of the environmental health is radon. Radon is a gas which occurs within the soil underneath, you know, homes. And we have to monitor if a house is being sold or, or community center is about to be built. We have to monitor, is there radon on that property? And if so, you know, how much is there? And it's fairly simple to do. You take a, a canister which absorbs radon, you put it in the basement or the lowest level of that facility or the area that you think is going to be built on. And it stays there for, I think, 24 hours and you send it to a lab and it comes back with radon too much, too little, or whatever it is, and then you can go forth accordingly. So unfortunately, no, people do uh, assume, you know, their homes are safe, but but not always, not always. And again, we talk a bit about indoor air quality versus outdoor air quality on the last podcast. If you, for instance, you live in New York, where there are so many vehicles and so much carbon monoxide, potentially, and you know, air pollutants, and particulate matter and all sorts of other things. That's what's being pushed inside the home. And if you don't have some type of filtering system as it comes into the home or filtering system, air filter system within the home, unfortunately, you're going to be exposed to that. So that's one thing that that we look at, especially when it comes to the home. So yeah, it can come from the outside, which was the case in, in my condo in Kuala Lumpur. I was suspicious that the indoor air quality was bad because I could hardly let fresh air in. You could hardly open the windows in that place. But then the fresh air coming in was much higher polluted than the air inside. So how can you get that data? I mean, the air quality surrounding your home, or let's say you're going to rent a new place. Can you find out from that area what is the air quality in the outside? Before going ahead and making a decision about renting or buying a new home, we should look at that, right? But nobody does it. But is that data available? Yeah, I think, especially when it comes to outdoor air, I do think that that data is available. We have the EPA here, which is the Environmental Protection Agency, and they are in charge from a, a regional basis of air monitoring for certain areas, you know, amongst the states here in the United States. When it comes to like condos and apartments, that I'm not too sure about. I would think that from what we call a due diligence, a due diligence is perspective. In other words, you try and do as much as you can to protect yourself, that the realty owners or the developers, the real estate developers would do some type of air monitoring on some type of periodic basis for the common spaces. Now, I don't know if that's happening. I don't know if it's, you know, if I'm a condo, owner or renter, if I can get a copy of that, but that would be one thing that I would try and follow up on if I was in that circumstance, because again, this is our health. You know, it's not, you know, Joe Schmo down the road. This is my health. And Joe Schmo down the road, he should be able to find out if there's any air quality being monitored in his areas also. So it should be a matter of, if not public record, a matter of record that you can get, but I'm just not sure if that's happening. Yeah, I, I think the easiest is self-empowerment. I mean, that's what I've been doing with my mobile uh, u unit, just connected to your phone Wi-Fi. And then anywhere you go, you can actually detect what is the situation. That's what I've been doing in the places that I've lived in. I've even uh, done it for a friend who was suspicious that in the neighborhood, a factory would be 
spewing out some extra chemicals. So, um, you know, you, you can basically become your own scientist if there's no public data available, which is kind of limited in Southeast Asia. I remember visiting a EPA equivalent in one of these countries here in the neighborhood. I won't mention the name. And they were proudly telling me, oh, we have about 12 public monitoring stations. But sorry, you can only see five of them now because all the others, we have some equipment missing. Or we don't have a budget to repair it. So only five are operational. So, uh, you know, that's not much for a big country that this was actually representing. So you have to rely on your own ability to monitor. And that's where I think uh, modern devices come in very, very handy when you can connect them to your to your own uh, mobile phone and or see all the data by yourself. That's that's what I've been doing. But uh, I guess personal empowerment in terms of uh, both the neighborhood and your home should be something we do before we buy or rent a new place. I mean, I'm always puzzled that nobody is thinking about it. What do you think as an environmental scientist on this one? I'd have to agree, Mateus. I'd absolutely have to agree. Either they're not thinking about it or they think everything's okay. You know, I don't have to worry about it or they think someone else is uh, taking care of it. One thing at Mothers and Others for Clean Air, where I'm chairman of the board, that is one of our main thing is connecting, not just the, the government, but connecting the, the community and the government to the people that actually matter when it comes to monitoring clean air. For instance, one of the initiatives that we're currently doing now is a company called EnviroCleanse. And they do almost the same thing as you, but not, but not quite as, as much, I don't think, or I'm not sure really, but they almost do the same thing as you. They have these indoor air monitors and really they, they purify the air. So they have a HEPA filter, the filtering system, so on and so forth. And what we're doing is trying to get these cleansers into uh, daycare centers, into senior citizens' homes, and then maybe as soon as we can into, you know, private sector, you know, private homes. The same thing Yuhu is doing, which is why I was so excited to be here with you today. So that that is a great thing. And as we merge the two things, the technology as well as society, more people become exposed to this. So it's not just, oh, someone else will take care of it. Oh, the scientists will take care of it. Oh, the government will take care of it. No, you're going to help take care of it with us. And then by word of mouth, which is a great thing, it just keeps going on and on and on. And next thing you know, more people are involved and more people are actually caring about you know their airspaces. Yeah, I, I would love to see property prices going up or falling down, depending on whether the air quality in the neighborhood is good. It should go up. If it's bad, it should go down. And even restaurants, you know, we should be choosing the restaurants that we go to based on their air quality plus food quality rather than food quality only. I mean, we, we need that kind of public awareness so that it matters for the success of the businesses and then action will be taken at the moment. Very few people link those two things one and with one another. That's what I was mentioning in our last podcast, you know, the New York data. That was the idea behind that. If we would have indoor air quality information from each shopping mall, from each restaurants, then people could make a choice based on not just the menu and the price, but the risk 
that they are exposed to based on factual data rather than on perceptions or zero knowledge at all. Do you see any way we can accelerate that kind of, I mean, that's what you're doing, right? Raising the awareness and bringing those things together already. But what can a, a, a listener today do to contribute to that movement, to that awareness, to that realization and protection of our homes and our living environments? Well, the first thing is to to ask. You know, to, to simply ask whether it be, well, we'll take a restaurant, for instance. During the pandemic, one thing in New York City that they're almost getting away from now, but they're still allowing some people to do it. During the pandemic, and as we tried to open up from it, restaurants moved outside. So they you couldn't drive down the street. You could only park. And you couldn't really even park. They, they used the streets as areas where they put the tables and the chairs for, for people to eat. Now that they're trying to come back, there is some traffic. And I'm like, well, why would you want to eat somewhere where there's a, a car idling three feet away? Do you know what I mean? For me, just maybe because of my profession, I would prefer to eat indoors. So there at least is some type of ventilation and some type of filtration, you know, as the, as the air comes into, uh, as it's getting pumped into, into the restaurant. So that would be a good thing is, is to ask. And again, you know, I think you've hit on something, Mateus, because if people started asking about what the air quality is around some of these restaurants or what the air quality is in their apartment building, that in itself is a call to action for, for the individual. Because the way I always like to say is how long can you hold your breath? Okay, one minute, two minutes, maybe three minutes. Eventually, you're going to have to breathe and you would prefer to have clean or cleaner air coming into your lung system. So when it comes to environmental health, briefly, clean air is most important because we can only hold our breath for one or two minutes. Clean air, then water. Humans, life, plants, animals, we can't live without water for what is it? Uh, I think it's estimated a week to two weeks. We have to have water. And then finally, you know, your structure, where whatever it is that you live, as well as, as food. So th those are the things that we, we look at primarily when it comes to environmental health and clean air is number one. Yeah. Just imagine, you know, your Airbnb or your rental apartment uh, guide or your um, kind of uh, houses for sale would have uh, air quality data over the last few months uh, kind of displayed. It could be quite interesting. Yes, that would be super exciting. But now for people, you know, we, most of us are not going to change the house that we live in or the area that we live in in the next few months. I mean, what can we do to optimize our environmental health, like good air quality, good water, uh, healthy and clean, non-contaminated food? What, what are the actions that we can take to improve those areas for our uh, family and, and the places that we live? Sure. One of the, the first things is to try and become knowledgeable. Now, anybody can do this. If you're watching this podcast, that means you're interested in it. So Google it. Google environmental health. You know, research. And that's just a really quick rundown of an article or a couple of articles. Research air pollution, water pollution, land pollution. And then try and get to know who or what are the agencies that regulate this type of thing. We talked a little bit about it before here in the U.S., the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. The other thing is, especially when it comes to indoor air quality, 
although the air quality outside, you're not sure, try and crack open a window. Okay, try and get some outside air or some indoor ventilation, natural ventilation into your area space. Have plants. I'm a huge, huge plant advocate because not only do they uh, increase and diffuse the air, they make the air cleaner. They put oxygen into the air. They're distressors. Plants look nice. Everybody loves plants. And last but not least, look into a system like Yuhu. You know, look into a system that goes into, um, you know, looking at the sensors that you guys have, the particulates and the, and the potential contaminants. And that is something that I think everybody can do. And as the technology increases, the prices will become more reasonable so that we can all be able to do this type of thing. Yeah, I think the more we understand the data, we can gather the data. Even I have a device that you can put into food and you can see the kind of nitrate contamination when it measures radioactivity as well at the same time. So that's quite a, a nice little gadget, but uh, I don't, I have never seen anyone else running around with a thing like that, but it, it only cost a couple of hundred dollars. It wasn't like uh, thousands. So it has become more and more affordable to know your environment, both indoor air quality and food and uh, possibly as well water. Sure, we cannot always measure everything before we eat it, but uh, I got inspired today uh, with uh, uh, Gwen and Mothers and Others for Clean Air. I think that is uh, an amazing vision. Uh, we all need to work together for clean air, for healthy living. It starts with understanding what's going on by monitoring and measuring. So maybe one one final word of wisdom for from your side, uh, uh, Gwen. What action should our listeners take who who listen today? Get involved. Like I said, get involved. And one other thing, since we're talking about clean air, I mentioned it before, but plant. If you don't know anything, if you don't want to do anything, if you're uncertain. Put a few plants in your home because that will definitely clean your air and provide better air for you indoors. Great. Excellent. I want to hear lots of people planting loads and loads of green plants. Excellent. Yes. Thank you, Gwen, for such beautiful sharing and uh, the great work that you are doing in the U.S. and beyond. You inspired me. I hope you inspire a lot of our listeners as well. And uh, thank you so much and see you again, hopefully in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Bye.